Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show. With your host... West Lane County Commissioner, Jay And now, here's Jay. And good evening and welcome from downtown Elmira, Oregon. And again, it's another beautiful day here in western Oregon and West Blaine County, as I look out the window and it's about 80 degrees, clear blue skies, wish I was out there on the back patio having an adult beverage, but I'm here to talk to you. And if you want to get in on the conversation, you can call 646-721-9887 and you just have to press one to let us know you want to get in on the conversation. Or you can just send me an email at talk at krbnradio.net. That's talk at krbnradio, all one word, dot net. So we've had a few things going on here in Lane County recently. In fact, we were lucky enough in the last couple of weeks to host two presidential candidates with Bernie Sanders coming to Springfield a couple of weeks ago to Island Park. And the Donald showed up at the Lane Event Center, uh, which is commonly known as the fairgrounds here and had a big rally a week ago last Friday. Yeah, so you know, we've had a lot of presidential politics here in Oregon. And of course, now that the Donald has all but wrapped up the nomination and uh, Ted Cruz and, uh, and Kasich have both decided to uh, discontinue their campaigns, uh, we can talk about, you know, the Donald, we can talk about Bernie, we can talk about Hillary, uh, or we can talk about the guys that dropped out or whatever you want. We can talk presidential politics, or we can get down to the local stuff, which is where I live, being a county commissioner, and talk about the proposal that um, our sheriff put together and has been uh, now vetted through the budget committee and is, is getting a little bit more legs as a real proposal of lowering uh, property taxes for our Lane County residents. Uh, Three years ago, Lane County passed a jail levy, as it was called at the time. It was 55 cents per thousand of assessed value uh, property tax, five-year serial levy. Uh, For those of you not in Oregon, you probably don't know a whole lot about serial levies and property taxes here. But it's a way that local governments have of funding uh, programs seeing we got locked into permanent tax rates by a um, tax control measure back in the 90s when those were passing like prop 13 in california and uh, measure five here in oregon and i forget the name of the prop up in um, washington state that limited their property taxes but uh, in the 90s that was a real popular thing to do so we got locked into permanent rates and the only way you could kind of get additional money is to pass these um three to five year serial levies uh, that you have to keep renewing and asking the voters to pass. We passed one three years ago, back in 2013, that was for 55 cents and 50 cents of that was supposed to go to the jail to maintain a minimum of 255 local beds in our jail for local offenders. And five cents of it was going to our youth services department to uh, reopen eight detention beds and eight treatment beds. Um, which doubled the capacity there and also allowed them to, you know, with those folks on staff, uh, also keep their intake open 24 hours, which is a really important thing because when it wasn't open 24 hours, if some juvenile got arrested in the middle of the night, they may end up in an adult facility uh, until intake opened the next day, which is not a good thing to mix adult and juvenile populations at all. But we passed that levy, and it's been really successful. Uh, in fact, we were able to open 
uh, this year now we've hired enough people, 317 local jail beds instead of the 255, and we've reduced what are known as capacity-based releases out of the jail by 65% from before we passed the levy. And since we passed the levy, none of the people we've released on capacity for capacity reasons have been violent offenders or Measure 11 offenders, uh, which we had have happened before we passed the levy when we had only about 100 or so, uh, 131 local jail beds. So we passed that three years ago, and as when we passed that, the board purposely um, looked at what was the maximum number of beds we could say we could keep for that amount of money five years even if you know a lot of bad things happen you know with our own money basically and you know at we also rent beds to the u.s marshal service which is a federal agency we rent some beds to some municipalities like eugene um to hold uh misdemeanor offenders on their behalf so we basically you know, at the time we were passing the levy, the, the federal marshal service was making noise that they were going to stop renting beds from us. Uh, so we didn't count on any of that income. We kind of said, well, what if the city of Eugene decides to start renting beds from city of Springfield's jail instead of us? Uh, so we, we kind of took a very pessimistic look at uh, outside incomes and counted on um, not so great uh, property tax growth. And it turns out um we did a, you know, a, a really good job of being pessimistic because everything's come in above, you know, revenue-wise. What we thought, you know, the, the federal marshals decided to continue to rent beds. Uh, property taxes have actually grown beyond our projections. And the other thing we've been able to do is we've made some substantial efforts at Lane County to cut our expenses uh, through uh, changing some of our benefit packages, some really good negotiations with uh, uh, employee unions and uh, changing uh, some health insurance packages, going to self-insured versus paying a third party. And those savings have added up to a considerable amount so that we have this embarrassing situation sort of where we're starting to build a huge reserve up in in the uh, jail levy fund, at least on the jail side, not so much the youth services side, um, where we've got extra money. And if we were to continue collecting the 55 cents for the next two years, we'd end up almost um, three and a half years worth of operating monies for the jail to keep those 255 beds. And that's kind of, it would be an un, unheard of amount of reserves in a fund. And they're very constricted because of the levy was very you know, strict in how that money can be spent. We can't move it anywhere else. So, the the sheriff looking at that said, you know what, maybe for the last two years we could collect less money and not end up with such a large reserve. And the budget committee today, which is, uh, I, I apologize for last week, I had to do a replay because I actually was late coming back from budget committee. It's budget season here in Oregon. We all are on a uh, July 1st fiscal year, local governments and state government. So we have to have everything wrapped up by the end of May, more or less, in our budget committees so that they can be adopted by the elected officials in in early June. So we have our tax rate and budget set for July 1st. Um, and so kind of crazy, a lot of budget meetings uh, in the last couple of weeks. And I, I was late getting out of that last budget committee and couldn't make it in time. So we did a replay last week. Um, but almost was late this today because of this discussion about lowering the rate, but it looks like we are going to lower the rate for the next uh, two years by 30, almost 31%, 30.9% from 55 cents down to 38 cents. And uh, that's a pretty remarkable thing. But what it does is instead of us building up, you know, an extra 20 million in reserves, we'll actually spend down some of the reserve that we have now that 20 million uh, and end up with a little bit more than a year's worth of reserve, um, which makes some sense in that if for some reason the levy, we can't renew the levy at the end of the five years, it gives us a year to, you know, we, we'd find out about that so close to budget time. It's, you know, difficulty in doing layoffs properly and everything else. It gives us a year to unwind uh, the services that were funded. 
by that and also possibly even to take another shot at the ballot. But, you know, it's it's more of a, a case of having that uh, sufficient reserve to keep program running for a little while past the end of the levy and uh, to keep both programs running, I should say, youth services also. So it's a pretty amazing thing to, you know, have the sheriff, you know, is also an elected um, position in Lane County and to have him come forward and say, you know what? we did such a great job of being pessimistic. I've actually got too much money. Maybe we should collect a little bit less from the public. And I tell you, that's such a refreshing thing to hear from uh, public officials and elected official at that. Although our current sheriff is an appointed to fill a term out. He's up for election this year. So, um, but you know, it's, you know, an unusual situation to be in. I give a lot of credit to our, uh, financial staff at Lane County that did a good job of not overpromising. I give it uh, really also uh, a lot of credit to both the sheriff and our staff for controlling costs because that's easily half of the difference in in what we uh, are able to discount now is it was over cost savings, not necessarily um, over project under projection of revenue. So part of it's we got in more revenue than we thought we were going to get, but a good portion of it's we cut a lot of cost, and that's why we're able to go out in public now and say, you know, Lane County, it looks like we're going to let you keep a little bit more of your money over the next two years and, uh, you know, hope you can and make use of that uh, in our economy here locally, and it'll make a difference. Maybe a few more people will get jobs because, people have a little bit more money for their grocery bills after their, their property tax bill. So great news story here in uh, Lane County. Uh, something you don't hear too often, but government actually saying, you know what, we don't need as much of your money as we thought we did. And we're going to let you keep your money. I mean, when was the last time you actually heard any government anywhere say, you know what, we want you, the citizens to keep your money. We don't need to, put it in a reserve account and, and save it for a rainy day. Uh, we're not going to play a shell game. We're not going to change the amount of general fund support for the jail and, and use the jail funds to make up for that and spend it somewhere else. Um, we're just going to collect less of the jail levy uh, for the next two years. So that's big news in Lane County. You know, there's always all sorts of news going on. Yeah, I heard a news story today um, that's kind of of interest to me. Uh, and there's been a lot of news in, in, the, in the newspaper recently and in, in Oregon. You know, we've got this whole new recreational marijuana thing going on. And a lot of news stories recently are all about, you know, the Oregon um, Canna- Liquor and Cannabis Control Commission. Now it's the OLCCC. Uh <laughs> is starting to issue licenses now. You know, they, they, they delayed the actual uh, recreational uh, sales for a while. They haven't started edibles yet. So there's some talk about the edibles, and that's making news. And the issuing of all these recreational um, retail outlets and growers and seed providers and all that starting to make news. So there's been a lot of uh, pot in the news and, and cannabis in the news in Lane County in Oregon the last few days. But a story this morning caught my eye, and it's actually out of Colorado. And it's about a family that's suing one of the edible um, marijuana products manufacturers in Colorado over a basically uh, a mislabeling of their product that resulted in a, what they consider a wrongful death. So when you start talking wrongful death, you're talking multi-million dollar lawsuits. And apparently, gentlemen, uh, purchased a edible uh, product from a, a, a retail outlet there in Colorado, and it was a uh, knockoff of a Tootsie Roll, basically. And, you know, you remember the old commercials about Tootsies and Ootsies are the, the, the pieces that, you know, are kind of indented so you can break off a piece. Well, apparently this, uh, you know, potsy Roll or whatever they would call it, uh, had 10 Ootsies, and each Ootsie was the equivalent of one adult dosage of the 
um, extract that was put into the uh, the, the potsy roll. Uh, well, it wasn't well labeled, and the gentleman ate the entire thing and got ten times the amount that he's you're supposed to get, and went psychotic. Um, and his wife called nine one one. You know, there's a nine one one recording of this about. Her husband was ranting about the end of the world, jumping in and out of their windows, uh, first floor windows, not second story uh, of the house and and acting very strange and asked the police to come and help her because, you know, she was worried about him. And uh, before they got there, he actually shot her and killed her in front of their children. You know, that is you know, one of those unintended consequences of legalization uh, that is really a concerning thing and a scary part of this, you know, very scary in um, understanding that, you know, edibles are, are delayed action. They don't take effect immediately. And the amount of THC you're getting is, generally uncontrolled and what is actually an adult dosage uh and they're trying to develop some rules now here in oregon because edibles are supposed to come on the market in july here in oregon and it's a pretty scary thing uh that you know you can get something you know what people would normally eat in a single setting a tootsie roll that has 10 times the amount an adult should be uh actually consuming and when you can overconsume, it actually can act as a psych, you know, cause people to go into psychosis uh, and do some very terrible things. And it, and you can actually overdose on THC, which people don't realize. It's it you know supposedly pot was quote the safe drug. Well, as a natural, uh, ungenetically altered plant that it used to be with, with a three percent THC content. It was a pretty damn safe drug. It was nearly impossible to overdose on it. Uh, nowadays, these extracts are, can get up over 90% THC and then add it to whatever candy uh, or edible, you know, cookies, brownies, whatever. Um, it can be pretty uh, potent. And people, because there can be up to over an hour delayed effect before it hits your system, people can overconsume uh, without ever knowing it. And, and end up in so psychosis or even death. It's particularly um, true for toddlers and, and children who do not have the resistance that an adult has and can actually drive them quickly to overdose and, and toxicity and death. And there have been uh, some documented cases of toddlers um, actually dying from consuming edible um, THC products. So that's kind of a, an interesting quandary as we move ahead here into the realm of recreational marijuana here in Oregon is, is how do we handle edibles and, and what about product liability and, you know, and how do you sue a company and, and you know, all these companies are, are cash companies, you know, how easy is it for them to hide assets and, and um, make it look like they have no assets because everything's done in cash. Uh, it, it's going to be a whole new world out there. Uh, and, and just to, to get to how it affects everything, you know, I, I personally, uh, you know, don't believe in prohibition. You know, I'm a libertarian at heart, but I do think we need to be careful about how we, you know, forms of a product we allow out there. And, and, when it gets to edibles, I think we, and extracts, we need to be really careful and control that. Uh, not too much different than the vaping liquids for uh, the vaping pens that we now have for nicotine replacement, uh, where people are using those vaping pens instead of cigarettes. That liquid, um, you know, the, the amount of nicotine can vary from one manufacturer to another and uh, is extremely toxic to to toddlers. And dogs, you know, not to mention that, but, you know, it's, um, that's another case where I think there needs to be some, some kind of, uh, dosage control and some kind of, um, regulation and, you know, childproof packaging, warning labels, 
uh, clear labeling, uh, you know, laws. Uh, so people understand what they're getting because, you know, basically marijuana from when I was uh, partaking in my youth, and I, I will admit I did inhale. Um, I was a child of the 70s and uh, through high school and most of my college, and it was it was pretty prevalent. <laughs> and, and what I was using back then was like drinking uh, Coors Light compared to what is around today is like drinking Everclear straight up. Um, and it's a big difference and a, and a pretty amazing difference. Um, so it's, it's a whole new world with that. So uh, if you want to get in on the conversation, you want to talk about Bernie and Donald, you want to talk about Lane County cutting their taxes or pot or anything else on your mind, you can give me a call at 646-721-721. 9887 and uh, you want to get in on the conversation you just have to press one to let the call screener know that you want to actually have a question or a comment you want to get in on the conversation and um, you can also email me at talk at krbnradio.net and you can even email me you know when the show is not on you know if you have a comment about something I said during the show or if you have a suggestion for a guest or a subject you want me to cover feel free give me a drop me an email talk at krbnradio.net so I, I, I thought I heard my uh, producer call screener Robin giggle a little bit when I mentioned something about admitting that I did inhale uh, you have something you want to say about that Robin <laughs> I think it's um, really great that you know, coming out in a minute, but I can just see the headlines tomorrow. Jay Bosevich, he inhaled. Yeah, uh, you know, I've actually admitted that publicly more than once, and it's amazing. It doesn't really people realize you just about have to be lying if you were in college at, at that time period to say that you never tried marijuana. And I, I'll go beyond that. I try didn't try. I was a regular user uh, through some of my years in college there which might be why it took me six years to get an engineering degree, but, um, but, oh, and by the way, they Lane County dropped taxes. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I, I, you know, I don't try to hide who I am, you know, just to get elected. People should vote for me warts and all. And one of the things I truly believe in is being honest um, and also getting correct and accurate information out there. It's one of the reasons why I tried, why I have this radio show, call in and say, you know, I, I don't think you're, you're being correct in how you're, you're characterizing this tax decrease or you've got it all wrong about pot. <laughs> you know, those, those are things I want to hear from people on. Well, and besides it, uh, it means for one that, Gosh, you're you're a real person. You've lived some life, and can uh, relate to instead of sitting on the on your uh, soapbox and go, uh, I don't think you should do this. And by the way, I I have no I know nothing about what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yep. I've been there, done that, you know. And I I've been a poor college student and ate a lot of uh, you know tuna noodle casserole and uh, a lot of bologna and peanut butter. And and uh, ramen, top ramen, <laughs> for year, years at a time when I was trying to, to, to work and go to college at the same time. And, you know, when my wife and I first got married, uh, you know, my first I, – I, I graduated in 1981 in the middle of the Carter Recession. Uh, and it was really hard to find, find a job. And my first job out of college paid, with an engineering degree paid $16,000 a year. And interest rates at the time were close to 20% on, on credit cards and stuff uh, and car loans. You could get a mortgage for around – my first mortgage uh, before I refinanced – my first mortgage was at 16%. I felt really great when I refinanced it down to 12 a couple years later. If you can imagine just how hard that was to, to deal with, you know, I, I've lived through it. You know, we've been there. We, we, you know, you know, we've worked, uh, our, my wife and I both have worked, you know, long and hard careers, uh, 
of over you know 30 plus years at, at what we do, and um, you know we might be a little bit more comfortable now uh, where we are, but we 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 work for everything we we accomplished. I feel like, and and um, we appreciate the folks that are struggling now because we struggle. You know, I, I remember making decisions about should I use a credit card to pay this so I can afford to pay the, the electric bill, but how am I going to pay the credit card off later, you know, and paying minimum balances on credit cards, you know, and, and, and trying to juggle between cards and, and, and lowering interest rates and applying for new cards where I get balance transfer at 0% for so many months and hoping that I'd be able to pay down that card before the interest rate kicked in. And yeah, I've been there. We've done that, and uh, you know whether it's you know the fact that I smoked pot when I was 18 years old in college uh, and pretty stupid, which is one of the reasons why I'm happy it's 21 uh, for legal to be legal uh, for most folks because I was pretty stupid at 18 and 19. Uh, yeah, because because I was there, but yeah, it, it's uh, you know. I I do try and be honest about, you know, what my past life was, but I do think it also, um, you're, you're right. I, I have been what other people are and are struggling with now. And I understand those struggles and, and I don't look down on somebody that chooses to use marijuana instead of, you know, I, I choose to have a scotch, you know, instead. Uh, I don't drink to excess, um, but I do, enjoy a good scotch on a Friday evening on the back patio. Uh, it's just one of those things about being an adult and having the choice to do so. Uh, I know there are people that don't drink at all. Um, I don't choose to use any nicotine products at all. It took me a long enough time to quit. I was stupid enough as a 15 year old to pick the habit up and it took me till I was almost 25 to get rid of it. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> So I understand and, the folks that are still struggling with nicotine addiction. You know, it's not an and easy smart thing. Enough to, uh, and smart enough to quote Bill London from KPNW, don't drag and drive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. I heard him talking about this morning, you know, about the, um, the Dewey stuff. And, and you know, um, I was interested to listen to uh, a fellow commissioner, uh, Faye Stewart, as part of his uh, running for uh, U.S. Senate, uh, spoke in front of a victim's panel, services panel, and uh, had to listen to some of the uh, folks from like Serenity Lane and from the Mothers Against Drunk Driving about the issues they're starting to see. And they are really starting to see uh, an increase in uh, DUII cases that are dealing with marijuana. And the Mothers Against Drunk Driving are really concerned about this because there is no definitive test, you know, at least with alcohol. And I asked this question of the DA um, the other day, uh, you know, how much more resources are you having to put into prosecuting DUII cases for um, other than alcohol situations? You know, with alcohol, you're over you're 0.8 or above, you're guilty. There's no questions. That's a level that, that has been determined by statute to be impaired. With marijuana, you test positive that it's in your that's been in your bloodstream. It could have been, you know, ten minutes ago you smoked that joint, or it could have been two weeks ago. And whether you're still impaired is now only be, to be judged by, you know field sobriety test that from a trained um, impairment recognition officer, which takes two weeks of intensive training that we have to send a, a trooper uh, patrol officer to. And, uh, you know, that is now, you know, going to court more often rather than just being, you know, yeah, I'm guilty. I'll accept it. I'll pay the fines. I'll go to diversion, you know, whatever it takes almost all the DUII cases that are non-alcohol end up in court being tried, which then takes prosecution resources, court resources, and only about, you know, maybe 50% are getting guilty. And the question for mothers against drunk driving in their testimony recently is, 
we believe there are people that are being found guilty that may not be impaired. They may have smoked three weeks ago and the field sobriety test, you know, they just happened to be, you know, kind of tired and the officer determined that they were impaired. Um, and it may, you know, you know, then there are cases where, um, the guy has a good lawyer makes the, you know, the, in front of a jury or a judge, the, the field sobriety officer look questionable enough. Uh, and, you know, we have a system that says beyond a reasonable doubt for guilt and they get off when they were actually driving impaired. So it's really, um, it's a serious concern. How, how, how do you do that? So, you know, one of the, the real things that, you know, really needs to be done is there needs to be some kind of um, more definitive testing for impairment with THC. Right. Uh, and, and that's a really difficult thing because THC and its metabolites that it breaks down to and in, in the, as it, as your system, uh, uh, you know, metabolizes and gets rid of, of, of it out of your system. They're fat soluble, unfortunately, which means that's why they last so long in your body. Whereas alcohol is not fat soluble and is only is, is basically water soluble. So it stays, it doesn't stay in your body as long and, and, and leaves your body uh, at a much quicker rate. So you can tell if somebody has a 0.08, they had, they had to, you know, eat, you know, 15 minutes, an hour later, um, at the time they're actually driving, we're probably well above that. Um, so it's, it's much more definitive with alcohol and there's, there needs to be a definitive test developed or, or, or a better system of, of field testing for impairment. Uh, developed that's more definitive because um, you know it's it's you know you you're you're trampling on the rights of the folks that are out there uh, to be safe from a driver that is impaired but if you're finding somebody guilty of impairment that really isn't impaired you're trampling on their rights too and and the system right now is not very well uh, suited to determining that uh, and you know uh, listening to uh, Commissioner Stork talk about um, what, you know, Jerry Jestfold was having to say, what the folk, you know, from Serenity Lane and what the folks from uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, what, what some of the uh, uh, prosecutors and, and, and uh, police services folks were saying about how um, marijuana has complicated the system so badly right now. Um, I kind of wonder if we kind of could have slowed the implementation a little bit till we had this more definitive test. But hopefully there's some entrepreneur out there that realizes they are going to make a boatload of money if they ever um, uh, patent a positive THC test yeah, exactly. uh, system. You, know, you want to talk about instant billionaire. Um, somebody should be out there that's a mad chemist uh, working on that system, right? And an, you know, some mad chemist and an engineer need to get together and they will be uh, richer than sin if they can patent that sometime in the next uh, next six months or so. Because I already know, you know, there's three states, uh, Washington, Colorado, and Oregon, that will um, buy the technology up uh, like you can't believe. And I'm sure there are plenty of states that have uh, medical marijuana approved, which is far more states than just the three that have recreational. Um, and even states that don't have it legalized, they still have the problem of, determining impairment um, and trying to, to do a Dewey case against somebody with marijuana. Uh, you know, they might be able to bust the person for having, you know, breaking a state law for, for having marijuana on them or, or having marijuana in their, in their system for that, that reason, but they won't be able to bust them for driving impaired unless they can prove the impairment. So, um, you know, there's 50, 50 some states and I'm sure there's many other countries outside the U S that would, you know, be purchasing that patent testing system. Uh, well, speaking so, of, is there any is there any statistics about an increase of firings because of uh, uh, somebody with marijuana in their system? Because to my understanding, that even though, like in Oregon, it is legal, it is uh, businesses can t- can still test for it and dismiss you if they have a no drug policy. 
That's true. And, you know, Lane County is a case in particular. Um, any agency that accepts federal funds of any kind, which means I don't care what government you're in, somewhere there's probably a linkage to federal funds somewhere in your agency. Um, you are required under federal law to meet the um, Drug-Free Workplace Act. And I think that actually passed under the Clinton administration uh, in the early 90s. Um, and it basically says you have to have this, this any federally controlled substances, you have to have a policy that, it, that you know, basically says you fire an employee for breaking that, you know, federal law. So even though recreational marijuana is legal, uh, we have policies and we've been, we've actually advertised this to our employees multiple times. And if, if we have a new employee, we let them know in, in orientation on their first, first day that um, if you test positive for um, marijuana, you will be let go. Uh, and that's, uh, a requirement that you know we we stand to lose all of our federal funding every every source um, whether it was you know women and infants and children funding to uh, you know uh, our community development block grants to whatever if it's federal we'd lose it and and that's you know a significant portion of our uh, health and human services, you know, Medicaid, Medicare uh, funds, all that stuff would make us ineligible to receive federal funds. Uh, so we have to have policies against it. And a lot of um, employers, if they're private employers, can choose to continue to have a ban against it as long as they're, it, they can uphold that pretty easily uh, because we're an at-will state for employment. Uh, as long as it's, you know, clear in their employee manual and they're clear with their employees and, uh, you know that that's that's an issue. So it's surprising um, that there has been a number of firings for that reason, and then a number of uh, folks going to unemployment and getting their unemployment turned down because you can't get unemployment if you are fired for violating company policy. Mm -hmm. you know, Is there more talk about using hair follicle testing too? Uh, you know, and that hair follicle testing is one that can go back 30 days and all that. But that, yeah, there's there's some talk about that. That's a you know, uh, you know, more um, you know, a different sort of testing, and you can kind of get some time frame out of it. Uh, but it's still uh, not an easily done test. You know, that's another one that somebody needs to come up with a better way of doing it. <laughs> And, it, and it's a much more intrusive test too for for somebody. You got to literally pluck a hair out by its roots and have permission from the person to do that, uh, versus go pee in this cup, um, because you signed something on the way in the door that said if we ask you to, you have to. Not too yeah, many people agree to have their hair plucked out of the roots as a term of employment. Yeah, I've had that done at uh, at jobs and. It's supposed to just take a little wisp here and there, but I've had somebody just grab a big chunk and go snip, and it's like, yeah. hey, but if you refuse, especially uh, like if you're a truck driver, then that's a refusal to record, and it's a big penalty. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it is surprising. Yeah, they're, they're, um, I don't have statistics on number of firings going up since recreational marijuana became illegal in, in Oregon, but I do know... Um, there was a very well-publicized case in Lane County where we let somebody go that was a relatively new employee uh, six months in uh, who chose to utilize uh, marijuana for a medical condition, um, but still never notified us that he was doing so or asked whether he could do so and uh, ultimately was let go uh, for violating that that part of our policies because we basically don't have a choice due to our federal funding. So it's uh, an interesting duality to have something that's legally uh, under state law but is still illegal under federal law, which leads to all the problems with the banking and being cash businesses. 
also leads to a very interesting thing tax-wise in that um, you can't deduct if you're uh, one of these retail um, outlets that just got licensed, you can't deduct any of your business expenses on your federal taxes. You basically pay taxes on every dollar that comes in the door. Uh, and uh, so you have to be able to set aside enough of your income to pay taxes on your gross receipts uh, on the federal side. On the state side, you'll be allowed to take business deductions. Uh, but uh, because it's an illegal product, you can't, it's, you know, you can't deduct the cost of it. And that's, you know, essentially mm-hmm. what they got out. That's what they got Al Capone for in tax evasion was was he wasn't paying taxes on all of that revenue, 100% of the revenue. Yep, you can't skirt the IRS. Speaking of um, <laughs> that, and I got a question for you, um, because it is illegal federally, you cannot, if you're a dispensary or whatever, you can't put the money in the bank, which means that people have been paying their state taxes in cash, but because of that same regards, because the money is from drug money per se, how can the state legally put that money into their accounts? Yeah, it, it gets a little gray there. And, I, and um, I've had somebody that was an attorney one time explain to me how um, taxation on illegal income, it's kind of like the Al Capone thing, you know. Yeah. It's income regardless whether how it was generated. The tax is kind of clean legally somehow or another. But because they can't put the money in the bank, the states actually had to make special arrangements for people to come in and pay their taxes in cash uh, security-wise to make sure people aren't getting um, – you know, one, their their employees are safe collecting the cash, and two, the folks coming in with the cash are safe. So they've had to set up a special arrangement for uh, marijuana businesses to actually uh, make appointments to pay their taxes. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know. Let me, let me ask you this, getting back to the tax cut real real quick, since I've lived in Lane County the majority of my life. Let me let – me, you don't mind? Let me put you in a corner real quick about this. Uh, um, knowing sure, how, okay, um, because the first thing that comes along, well, first thing that comes to mind, you know, the shocker that hey, we're lowering taxes, okay. But I'm sure this because I've thought about this too, knowing how uh, the reputation of the people like in Eugene and Lane County up there, they go, great, we save thirty percent on on taxes, we get a tax cut. Well, you know, we save that money. We can take that money now and put it over somewhere else because we feel that there's a need for X, Y, Z. Has that been uh, kind of talked about? Uh, there was one commissioner that, that tried to promote that in, uh, uh, in his budget committee appointee, and it pretty well died on the vine very quickly because the rest of the group remembered uh, as we campaigned for this, there was a uh, levy that was passed 20 years before that, back in uh, 1993, I think, uh, or 94, somewhere about that time period, where it was a levy for sheriff patrol operations, uh, or, or I guess it was the, for actually for the uh, forest work camp operations, and the... Um, Commissioners at the time reduced the sheriff's budget by an equal amount and then moved that money to other programs in the general fund. And it uh, greatly angered the voters <laughs> after they I did remember, that. Yeah. Now, in fact, and, if and, I remember correctly, if the sheriff's budget, uh, people uh, overwhelmingly approved the sheriff's budget and a lot of the money was diverted for the Holt Center in downtown Eugene, which really upset the sheriff. And so then they came out again next election and promised that, uh, really, seriously, folks, this time we'll, we'll put it to the sheriff's budget. And they did it again. They took, the sheriff got very little out of, out of what the people approved. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, raised a firestorm um, and 
20 some years later as we're campaigning for the new levy, I can't tell you how many people that's all they remember was your guys are just doing this so that you can divert money in the general fund to your own pet projects. So we, you know, it was one that we heard that so much before we even put it on the ballot. That's why we wrote the ballot measure promise that, you know, and the board order had contained right in it the verbiage that we shall not decrease the general fund support to the jail below what is nest what will maintain 255 beds. And in fact, you know, at the time we we made that promise to the voters and placed this on the ballot, we had a spreadsheet that projected how much general fund was going to be necessary and how much levy money was going to go into that to keep 255 beds for all five years. And over these last three years of budget, we've actually put in five, almost $6 million more in general fund than what we promised when we actually passed, put the levy in front of the voters and passed it. So we've kept the promise to keep the general fund coming in. But there was um, one commissioner um, uh, that was thinking of, well, why don't we just keep the 55 cents going and lower the amount of general fund money going to the sheriff's office and not, you know, we're, there's, we're losing six positions out of the general fund in this budget coming up this year. And why don't we not do those cuts or maybe we can add something back somewhere else. Uh, and all the rest of the group was quick to point out, whoa, 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 whoa. When we were passing this. We made a promise. We wouldn't do that. So the fact that we under projected revenues and over projected expenses, building up a, 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 a excessive reserve right now um they are, you know we don't believe there we can hold the trust of the voters and do what um this commissioner uh who happens to live in south eugene uh was proposing uh and the rest of us kind of said and the sheriff was quick to say don't mess with general fund contribution or we will be breaking the promise we made to the voters and i think um Everybody else at the table basically remembered uh, that promise, and and he it had no support really from the rest of the budget committee to 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 go there. And what the budget committee looked at was what's a reasonable amount of uh, of reserve to have when we get done, and uh, we determined that you know a little bit more than a year was a reasonable amount, and to hit that would be about thirty eight cents over the next two years, and that's what we're proposing uh, to lower the levy down to. Uh, right now, it actually isn't a formal vote. We actually gave direction to staff to prepare the changes in the budget that align with 38 cents per, per thousand over the next two years. So when the budget comes to the budget committee next Thursday, when we're actually going to hold the public hearing, it will have that 38 cents uh, per thousand limitation set in the numbers that are actually built into the budget uh, for next year. And if the budget committee votes to adopt that budget and the, uh, the budget committee also adopts the tax rate uh, of 38 cents, uh, then, then it'll be set. Because what's interesting about Oregon budget law is uh, the budget committee adopts the budget and then the board, and that's a recommendation to the board to approve the budget, and it's actually the elected board of commissioners that approves the budget. But with the tax rate, the budget committee sets the upper limit, and the board cannot change that after the budget committee has voted that voted to set that limit. We could actually set it even lower, but we can't go above it. So if they if the budget committee votes to set the limit at 38 cents. The board is stuck with that 38 cents unless they want to call the budget committee back together and try and convince them to change that that limit. So it's an interesting per thing of, of budget law and a detail people don't realize. But budget committees with the citizen members actually set the tax rate uh, maximums. Uh, they recommend the budget approval to the elected board. The elected board adopts the budget and then um, 
sets the, the final tax rate, but they can't set it any higher than what the budget committee sets. So um, it's really uh, one of the important functions of the budget committee is setting that tax rate. So next Thursday, we're going to have a public hearing, which reminds me, I will not be live next Thursday. Um, I will actually, uh, the budget, the final budget committee meeting is not during the day, it's at night so that folks can get there and testify at the hearing. So I expect to have all you Lane County citizens come to Harris Hall and testify um, that you want us to actually go through with lowering your tax rate. Uh, so we have good, strong support of that. Uh, or you can maybe go with our South Eugene commissioner's uh, suggestion that we should uh, uh, possibly, uh, you know, monkey around and, and leave the tax taxes up at 55 cents and we can use that you know, lower the general fund money and we'll spend it on our pet projects. I don't think so, but um, <laughs> if that's what you want to come testify and tell us, that's what that moment's meant for. So, uh, you know, looking forward to getting some public testimony next week at our hearing. And if I get and half I can, a chance, I'll, chance I'll look up the time for you. Go ahead. Um, send Jay an email here, talk at KRBNradio.net, our on his Facebook page, you know, let Jay hear from you guys what you think, and you can, I'm assuming, pass that on during your meeting. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I was going to look to, I'm trying to find when the actual public hearing is. Um, and I know it's Thursday evening, but I'm trying to think of what, trying to find what time the actual public hearing opens. And it's in Harris Hall in Eugene. And of course, our, our, Budget committee meeting actually starts at 5:30, and those are actually televised live on the internet and Comcast uh, cable channel 21, so you can get it there. Um, but I'm trying to get to the actual. Uh, oh, how long do those meetings usually last? Uh, the budget committee meetings are uh, between three and four hours. <laughs> that we have the work sessions uh, leading up to this meeting. Uh, the actual hearing is scheduled for an hour, I think, but we'll go as long as we have people that want to talk to us uh, to try and get all the testimony in. So um, hang on, I'm trying to get to the agenda for that week so I can tell you exactly what it is. Um, uh, dee -dee -dee Thursday uh, begins at 5.30. Uh, call to order, public comment, uh, discussion, deliberation. So public comment is the first thing on the agenda. So I, it's going to be pretty close to 5.30 in the evening uh, that the actual uh, public hearings uh, gaveled in and we start taking public testimony. So uh, if you guys want to mark uh, Thursday, May 19th, uh, 5.30, Harris Hall, uh, come on down and tell us in person, or you can email um, the you know the board of commissioners uh there's a, a link on the front of our page that goes to all the commissioners and staff um, you can let us know that way and we'll share it with the budget committee uh, you can email us here at talk at krbnradio.net or contact me on facebook and i'll try and share uh, what i'm hearing with the rest of the budget committee uh, you know we want to hear from you you know do you think this is a good idea for us to lower the, the the jail levy from 55 cents down to 38? Uh, you know, let us know because um, this is your opportunity to, to weigh in on our budget. And is there other stuff on the budget you might want to talk about? Um, you know, I haven't talked about the fact that we're having to make some significant cuts in our road fund budget this year because of the lack of, uh, of federal timber money. Uh, we did most of those cuts through uh, a voluntary separation program where we got people to actually uh, retire and leave the county early so we didn't actually have to lay people off. But uh, we're having almost, uh, I think it's 26 positions out of public works um, that are going away this year. So you're going to see uh, the grass get a lot taller along county roads before we mow it. Uh, you're not going to see it get mowed as often. You're not going to see as much patching go along. You're not going to see as much, um, you know, 
new uh, uh, overlays and surface put down on roads, and uh, it's all a result of the fact that we're only getting actual harvest dollars uh, from the federal government, uh, and compared to what we used to get, uh, it, it's you know. Since 2003, uh, it's about a 93% decrease uh, in federal funding uh, to our, our our roads and general fund. And and since we're to the last couple, of minutes, if I if I may, Jay, I'd like to remind sure. people that uh, KRBN Radio does have a Facebook page. Um, we can put some of the links there to help you find it. And also, I'd like to ask people to like our page too. And if you want to know more what's coming up on the show or contact Jay as well or another way to communicate back and forth, you know, that's another revenue for our listeners to uh, stay in touch. Yep. I, I am probably the most ultimately reachable person. Uh, you know, you can get me by Facebook personal message. I've got, you know, you know, through the, either the, um, RBN Facebook page or my personal Facebook page or my Jay Bozovich Westland County commissioner Facebook page. You can get me, by email as a commissioner, uh, you know, it's basically jay.bozieevich uh, at lane, uh, you know, dot org. I, I think is it is the, the email, or, or you can do co.lane.org.us. Uh, also work. Um, you can, you know, call the commissioner's office, leave me a voicemail, and that actually converts to a WAV file and gets emailed to me, so I get them even when I'm not in the office. Uh, you know, many ways to get a hold of me. I keep an eye on the uh, register guards comments section, so, you know, you can get, you can even throw a question out there for me in some places. I mean, I, I am I am reachable, and I get out in the community, just finished doing five town halls around the district recently. Um, I'm at the Fred Meyer on Division Avenue pretty often. You can catch me there too. <laughs> so, uh, in the remaining yeah. in the remaining two minutes, if, if folks, if you don't think it doesn't matter, Jay has a really short, quick story about one town hall meeting where they changed their mind on something. Uh, which uh, refresh me there. One in uh, one in Venita where you took uh, oh, public yeah. input. Yeah. Well, yeah, and actually that wasn't a town hall meeting. That was a public hearing like we're getting ready to hold next uh, Thursday, the 19th, we held a hearing out here in Venita. Uh, we were on our way to placing on a ballot, a new public safety district for the Fern Ridge area. And uh, after the testimony at that hearing, we, we chose not to move forward with putting it on the ballot. Uh, so we do listen to the public and we were, you know, it was the public that originally initiated the idea of the public safety district out here, and we were listening to the group that was promoting it and uh, moving along that path. And when we got to the second public hearing, uh, placing it on the ballot, it became quite clear and obvious that um, uh, there were more folks that were against it than for it, and there was a lot of bad information out there, misinformation, and it wasn't something you could cure in time for um this May's ballot, so we chose not to move ahead. So we do listen to the public, uh, and, and lots of lots of what we do as commissioners is driven by what we're hearing from the public. Uh, so I urge you to not only contact me, contact the rest of the board, and contact the rest of the budget committee uh, as we move through uh, this budget cycle here. So again, uh, you know, you can email us at talk at krbnradio.net, uh, or you can come speak to us in person next Thursday, May 19th, uh, 5.30 p.m. at Harris Hall. Uh, look forward to hearing to hearing from folks uh, that evening. Uh, should be interesting. Uh, really great to be able to say we're going to lower your taxes. It's something I haven't had an opportunity to do as, as a politician and something I really look forward to doing. Um, potentially this year. So that kind of wraps it up for tonight's uh, Bo's Nose show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, kind of wide ranging from cutting taxes to pot. Uh, We talk about it all here. So hopefully you'll join us. uh, Not next week will be a recorded show, but the following week, I'd love to hear from you live. Email us in between at talk at krbnradio.net. 
And that's going to be it here from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.